this thing on? Welcome back to Lexi's Lounge, your home for mind, body, business, and marketing. This no-holds-barred conversation happens every Tuesday with new guest experts, raw conversations, and real tips for lasting change for your mind, body, your business, and your marketing. So grab your cocktail and let's dive in. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I have Madison Tinder here today. She is probably one of the first people I've ever seen in my journey of entrepreneurship talk about multi-passionism. And when I realized that this was going to be the topic for this month in the membership, I was like, okay, I have to talk to Madison. So I immediately reached out to her. She immediately was like, yes, Madison, if you don't know her, she's a seven figure business owner. She's an e-commerce business owner. She is a podcast host. She is launching retreats in 2022, doing a lot more in-person events. I just love following her. It's crazy when you have so much going on and diving into all your passions. So Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and when you realized that you were multi-passionate? Yeah. So I started my business. My first full year of business was 2019, but I graduated with my master's in 2018. I actually wanted to work in sports and that obviously didn't happen. I feel like I realized I was multi-passionate almost like the beginning of 2020. It's almost like I felt like I got put in this box. Like, and I was like, honestly, like, I know I'm not going to be a coach the rest of my life. Like, I just know it. I know I'm not going to be 50, 60, like coaching. I just know I'm not. And I kept, you know, wanting to do different things. I was like, I really want to launch this. I want to have this. And I just can't, like, I'm not finding enjoyment sticking to one thing because I feel like I'm just a creative person that way. And I feel like coaching didn't really uh, fulfill my creativeness. I liked the discipline and the time management and the company growth of it, but I felt like it didn't fulfill me on a creative level. So I was like, what can I do to really help me do this? And can I actually do it? So the beginning of 2020 is when I was like, I think I'm going to launch an e-commerce business at the end of the year. I've always wanted to have scrunchies. I've always worn them. When I started my business, I was wearing scrunchies and it was just part of my brand at that point. I was like, what better way to extend the brand? And it was like the best decision ever. It fulfills my creativity. It's complete opposite of coaching. And I was like, you know, I'm, I love it. I love doing multiple things. And I just kind of took off with that in 2020 and 2021 is really when I capitalized on being multi-passionate and coming out with a program for multi-passionate entrepreneurs. And now most of my clientele is multi-passionate, but yeah, I'm the type of person that's like, if you tell me to stick to one thing, like I will not, I will do complete opposite. Um, And I feel like the coaching space has created the stigma of like, you need to stick to one thing, which makes sense with maybe that one offer that you need to scale or maybe creating that niche, but it's 2022. We're going to need to grow our personal brand. We need to expand our income. Like things are shifting. And I think people need to get on board as soon as possible. Yeah. I think you were one of the first people who ever framed multi-passionism. I'm just going to call it that. That's the easiest way. And when you said that you don't have to niche down, but you have to have niche offers. And I was like, oh my God, that, I mean, that is so freeing in general. And I think I literally typed that when you said it, I was like, this is so freeing because it is, there's so many things that we do that it's like, oh, is this more of like a passion that I can monetize or should I keep it in my back pocket as a hobby? So when it comes to that, what would you say to somebody who feels like they're multi-passionate, but how do they decipher between something that's a really good business idea and something that should just stay a hobby? 
Yeah, great question. I think some things, and this might be controversial, but I feel like some things can be what I call a hobby business. And I picture my scrunchies as a hobby business. Why? Because it's still in that phase of, I mean, it's not how my coaching business is, right? It's still in that phase of beginner baby growth and which I think is totally fine. I think you can monetize on really anything, but it needs to be, you need to be so passionate about it where it's not just going to be like something you do and then you forget about, right? I think it's understanding that you have to be committed to it because whatever you're doing is going to take work. And I think it's realizing, can I see myself still doing this in five, six, seven years down the line? Then yeah, I say go for it. But if it's something that like you don't spend a lot of time doing and it requires like too much of you and you don't, it drains you, then it's probably not the right choice for you. But I think what I find most is a lot more people are paying attention to just their personal brands in general. Like a lot of coaches and consultants and strategists like are now realizing, you know, my offers, they sell great, but me as a personal brand is what I need to actually work on growing instead so I can expand. And I mean, I look at like influencers online. They're amazing. These women on TikTok and Instagram influencers, they have like 10 businesses, but they are selling it, right? because they have so much influence. So I think that's kind of the shift that we're seeing, I think, in the coaching industry as well. It's so funny because I remember like years ago, people would just mock influencers and just make fun of them. And then now going into 2022 and multi-passionate being such a like awakening for so many people and being something that's so freeing, people are like, oh my God, these influencers, like they are the smartest business owners of us all. Like they, they built a whole brand around themselves. So whatever they want to do, like I always use Kim Kardashian as an example, because she's a great personal brand. She has perfume. She has her skin. She has her freaking game, like her Hollywood app. She has so many things and people buy whatever she puts out because it's her. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to me. So How important is it for multi-passionate people, in your opinion, to build a personal brand? Would you build the multi-passionate offers first or would you build the personal brand first? Honestly, uh, it depends on where they're at in their business, I would say. I would say if you're in the beginning stages of your business and you're not bringing in a lot of revenue, I think it's important to focus on at least like one core offer and work on selling it. Maybe it's your one-on-one, maybe it's your mastermind, whatever it is. And then build your personal brand at the same time. I think people think building a personal brand, like showcasing your values, showcasing yourself, showcasing your beliefs, your opinions, really putting out different styles of content, diversifying your content strategy at the same time. But I think that if you're an entrepreneur who's who's seen success, like you can really focus on your personal brand. That's something I'm doing at the stage where I'm at now. I can probably put most of my focus on me as my personal brand and kind of expanding that way. But I would say it just depends on where you're at. If you're a beginning business owner, you need to make some money kind of focus on your offers and work on your personal brand at the same time until you get to the point where you're able to expand. Yeah. I think that's a great piece of advice. It's just important to, I think when you're beginning to, to really like focus on one area and not to like niche down, but to really start like understanding because in entrepreneurship, if you're just starting out or you have been doing it for years and years and years, you realize very quickly that it's such a mental game. 
So I think that's one of the things that makes personal branding in general scary to people is because the rejection isn't about the offer. It's about you. Yeah. Yeah. And some people aren't going to vibe with you and that's okay. I mean, I have a lot of people who don't really vibe with how I show up and my energy and they think I'm way too chill and, you know, like not emotional person, but you know, it's just you. And I feel like you're going to attract your community anyways. That's why I tell people when you're growing a personal brand, your community is the most important thing. So you're not going to call in your community if you're faking it, if you're not showing up as yourself, if you're, you know, just talking about business stuff. Like if you want to grow a personal brand, what are things can you implement in your content? That's going to grow a community that trusts you and like really likes you for who you are. And some people just aren't going to vibe with you and that's totally okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember you talking about that on your stories about how people would say stuff about your, like, just, I don't, I don't know the word you use, but what was it? They were, they said that you were too, like too chill, but like, you didn't yeah. smile enough, right? Yeah. Was somebody like, told you? Yeah, I was on a sales call and and most people who watch my stories and watch my live videos and listen to my podcast like know what I'm like at the end of the day. And I guess she's probably never watched my stories before. So I got on a sales call. This was a while ago. She was like, are you tired or something? Because you're just not bubbly. Like most coaches I invested in are like super bubbly. And I was like, well, if you want a bubbly coach, like I'm not her. And she went and invested in like a super bubbly coach. Um, that's just not me. And I think it's one of those things where, you know, I attract people based on my personality, how I am, telling it how it is. And, you know, some people just have, I can express a bit more and have more of a more bubbly personality. And that's totally okay. But if I faked it, I faked, you know, being bubbly and people would totally notice that. So Mm -hmm. that's so true. I had recently somebody that responded to one of my emails. She's like, your cursing is distasteful to me. And she's like, and for that, I have to unsubscribe. And I was like, I wish you all the best in your success. I was like, but I'm not going to start. I I did that for so long in my life where I censored myself and suppressed the things that I actually wanted to say, my thoughts, because I have a lot of controversial opinions and I've suppressed myself so much. And for me, when I could start cussing again and saying fuck freely, it made me feel liberated. It's not like I'm saying it in a derogatory way. It's like, I'm saying it so you fucking pay attention to what I'm saying. And some people don't like that. But again, we all have to release that that feeling of like, oh my God, this is going to be my one and only client. Because once you release that one, then you have room for more to come. Yeah. It's crazy. But yeah, I I love the fact that we tied in the personal brand with the multi-passionate endeavors because it's important. Like if you're going to create diverse streams of revenue and income from all of your different passions, they kind of, your personal brand is like your house, you know, and then Mm -hmm. it just depends on what you, who you have in your house too. Yeah. And you talk about that a lot on your stories anyway, like all the time, I feel like, and I feel like it's just not a lot of people talk about it. So when I entered the space of serving multi-passionate entrepreneurs, like it was kind of hard for me at first to attract those people and, and have people kind of understand. And now a lot more people are talking about it, which I'm so happy because I think it's much needed. I think a lot of people are actually multi-passionate and want to do multiple things. I just think the coaching industry has put them 
talking about a bubble and so many like coaches before us, what they've preached and the strategies. And I just do think things are shifting and I think it's a much needed conversation. And I had to come to the point of where I knew I was multi-passionate and some of the stuff with my coach, I just couldn't agree with. And I had to kind of go with my gut. And I feel like that's where a lot of people are are headed. Yeah, that's important too, to touch on is just because your coach tells you you have to do it, if your intuition is like, no, I don't want to, this that doesn't feel right, then do it the way that feels right to you because it's telling you something. It's leading you somewhere. Yes. So if I was to be like, okay, I want to start a e-commerce business for t-shirts, like how does somebody take an idea and create a brand from it? Yeah. So, I mean, it's a lot, especially t-shirts because like there's so many t-shirts in the world. Right. I would say like the first thing I did and when I thought about scrunchies was I couldn't just create a scrunchie business. Like I had to kind of identify a gap in the market. So I did so much market research to identify what the gap is, what scrunchie stores, what am I seeing that's almost like missing at the end of the day? And how can I fill that gap with my store? So for me, I saw a lot of scrunchie stores that were selling too many scrunchies and they were selling the same shade range of scrunchies. So I wanted to create a place where it was easy to shop and every different color that you wanted, right? So people didn't really get analysis paralysis at the end of the day. So I identified that gap. And then I first used myself and like my Instagram and my brand to sell it. So I tried to move a lot of my audience over to the scrunchie Instagram, to the email list, because I knew that my audience had trust with me and it was easier for me to get them to move over there since they already were interested and were following along with me. So that's kind of what I did. I just pictured it as an extension of my brand. It kind of used me as like the voice behind the brand to move people over there. But I would say all in all, it took probably like, like seven months to create that business. So yeah, that's a good reminder that it's not instant gratification. There is work that goes into it. Hey, don't mean to interrupt. It's going to be really quick, but we have a message from our sponsors. By the way, I hope you love what you're hearing so far. Now from our sponsor. Hey, it's Alexi McKinley. I'm your host of this podcast and also the sponsor of this podcast because I own UpWest Social and PR. For all my business owners out there, are you looking to grow your brand, expand your reach, become the number one top trusted source in your industry and continually have a funnel of new clients to work with? If you said yes to any of these questions, it's time you join the Be Your Own Publicist program, or as I like to call it, BYOP. This is an eight-week hybrid program where you will learn the ins and outs of doing your own PR, essentially becoming your own publicist. For more information or to join, hit the link in the show notes below. Now back to our scheduled programming. Definitely not e-commerce. It's the opposite of instant gratification. It's like complete harder and way more slow unless you're running ads or if you blow up on TikTok, which we all want to. So. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, oh my gosh. So I have like 55,000 followers on TikTok right now, but it's all from such random things. And it's crazy because the people who follow me know me because of my dad in my lawn. Those are like the two biggest things, which is so crazy, right? Because it's like, it's my TikTok. But when I post videos of my face, it's like, 
a dead zone. So I'm just waiting for the next thing to like pop up for me instead of my lawn and my dad. But my question for you, this kind of sprung up when you were talking about making your scrunchy Instagram. Would you say that every person like who is branching off and creating new offers or new businesses, should they make a new Instagram for every offer they have? So like, should they make a podcast one? Should they make an e-commerce? Should they make a this, that, and the other thing? Well, I, I believe yes. Like, especially cause e-commerce, like it's e-commerce really. Like, I mean, you have a target market, but it, it could be kind of opposite of your coaching. It just depends. Like if you're a coach consultant done for you, whatever you're doing, then if your e-commerce doesn't really relate fully, then I would create a separate Instagram for definitely e-commerce. Now with your podcast, I don't think you have to. The reason I do is to just keep things separate and I kind of reshare, but I have noticed that since having a podcast Instagram, my downloads are a lot more higher what I consistently post on there, but I don't think it's necessary. I have some clients who don't have a podcast Instagram and they just share it on their regular main business Instagram. But I would say with like new business, like e-commerce, yes. Maybe if you have like an influencer page, yes. But I would say like for your offers, some people do it for like their membership sites and Mm. stuff, but I don't really, I don't do it for my like actual coaching offers. Yeah. Okay. So I think it would be fun if we did like a little popcorn round of like different ways that you can monetize on social media without being like, I guess, too specific into them. So like, okay, first one, put an affiliate link for something you're sharing, like your boots. If you have boots and you're taking a selfie, put an affiliate link so you get paid for that. I love it. You can monetize from reels. You can get paid from reels now. Saw that. I saw uh, one of the girls I follow, uh, Rebel Nutrition. She was like, she had to get 52 million views and then they pay her like $35,000. Like, holy shit. $35,000 from Instagram. You guys, this is why they're trying to- One reel, one reel. That's crazy. Right. Okay. Obviously your link in your bio. Your stories too, like that new one. The Actually, link. I hate it. I wish they had the swipe up, but that's just I like, why did they get rid of the swipe up and, and put no. link stickers instead? Why didn't they just give everybody the swipe up option? I don't know, but I find it hard sometimes to click. Yeah. When people try to make it really beautiful and pretty and like put it somewhere tiny. I don't make it beautiful at all. I just put it there. <laughs> right. <laughs> what else? Oh, you, you can monetize if you have a podcast, you can have sponsors and you can use it as a funnel to your offers. Affiliates for your offers. Ooh, those are good. Do you feel like you should have an affiliate for every offer you have? No, I think now like with some of my high ticket offers, I have like referrals. Like, Hey, if you refer me, I'll give you something, but like affiliates, like with memberships and stuff, I think could work well, but I find it better with like templates and stuff. Like I'm an affiliate for like a contract shop and it makes me passive every month, but it just depends on like how much you want to get into that. Cause that's like a whole nother comp complex section of business in my opinion. Yeah. But you don't have to have like a different business for it. So that's a good one. If you're, Oh, I want to monetize in a different way, but I don't want to create a whole different business and go through all of that stuff. There's so many things you can do to make money on social media. It's insane. Like hosting a paid masterclass or any offer that you have. I think paid masterclasses are a really good way to start. If you haven't really done anything yet, Mm -hmm. building that 
awareness around the topic and then making an in-depth class about it. I, I agree. I loved running like paid master classes and stuff. I think they're great and they're fun. And if you like live teaching, some people like don't prefer that, but I think most people like live teaching, I hope. But yeah, I feel like there's just a lot of different ways to make money on social. And I feel like 2022 is going to be like a big year of diversifying offers, diversifying income. Like I just feel like we're going to see a lot of people do. I have a feeling a lot of people are launching e-commerce shops. I've just already seen two people launch e-commerce shops. And I just feel like there's going to a lot, like it's just going to be different in my opinion, which is good. I like it. I think everyone should be serial entrepreneurs, but yeah, I feel like you can really tell who is kind of a serial entrepreneur. Cause once you get into that headspace of like, okay, my business is kind of my life now. And the thing I focus on Mm-hmm. in a lot of different aspects of my day, you start looking for business ideas all the time. You're like, oh, I could make that into a business. I could do this. I could do that. <laughs> Good. And you can, really. I think it's just, and also I feel like a lot of things locally are going to be happening next year. Like I know I'm starting a local agency next year. And I just feel like a lot of like people, I, I know a lot of people are doing like local studios, like creating studios and running them out. Like, I think it's just going to be, a lot of people are going to be more like in person, like brick and mortar and stuff. That's smart. I think that right there ties back to the fact that like you have to have a community and you can't overlook the community that's literally in driving distance from you. Yeah. And I I think a lot of people ignore that because they're online business owners. Yeah. I think local communities, that's like small businesses, things like that. Like there's a lot that you can do. Airbnbs. I know you're into that. Like Oh yeah. Or getting, getting into real estate. Airbnb is like, that's an insane source of income in itself. Like I made last year, like our first year and we weren't even, we were from, it was July to July and over in Washington, it's like not, the weather's not nice. Like right now the skies are gray, it rains all the time. So it's not really like a destination where people are like, let's go have our bachelorette party here. But in that year we made 50,000 and our prices were like so much lower than they were this. I'm interested to see the prices for next year or like what we made. Cause it's insane. And that's like, that's pretty passive. All we have to do is clean the house and do customer service when they reach out to us. It's so crazy. Yeah. But didn't you say you guys were going to do that at some point? Yeah. Yeah. We want to either, I don't think we're going to sell this house. I think we want to turn this into an investment property and either build or buy in the same neighborhood. Chad wants to do like a flip situation, like buy something really cheaper and flip. But I don't know with like everything I have going on, if I have time to even flip, I would rather buy something that Mm -hmm. like either use this for an investment or buy something in the same neighborhood. Uh, It's just prices right now. I just say the market, but that's our, what we're doing next year. That's like our main focus. So yeah, that'll be so exciting. And what does he do for work? He actually works for my, I have a family business that, um, carpet flooring tile, we sell that and he works for the business. So, oh, that's awesome. So you've got, you already have the suppliers and everything when you flip the house. <laughs> I get things for a little bit cheaper, a lot of things, which is nice just cause we have connections, but yeah, he does, he does sales. So, oh my gosh, the sales is so lucrative. If you're, if you're still in the nine to five, like the corporate world, you got to get in sales because it's going to help you just grow personally and professionally. And also I think this is totally tangent, but that's kind of my style is that 
sales, you are always selling yourself. Always, always, always. And it's interesting that people are afraid of it. And I think it's because the mind is the used car salesman, the, the slimy, like slide into your DMs, like straight to the punch. But it, you're always selling yourself. Like when you meet somebody new, you're selling yourself. Like when you meet somebody new, for the most part, you're at, you're like, okay, you know, we're gonna, I'm gonna, you know, show what makes me cool, what makes me awesome. Cause like, there's always a part of us who wants people to enjoy our company. When you tell people about like Yellowstone or Selling Sunset or whatever your favorite show is, that's selling. Yeah. You're always selling. I know. I love Yellowstone, by the way. I've never seen it, but I've um, obviously heard a lot about it. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I think sales, I just feel like everyone needs to understand sales skills at the end of the day especially our industry you need to understand sales but if you're getting into other industries like e-com or whatever real estate or whatever you're doing you have to sales is you know it's different for every industry and I think like at the end of the day like when you're multi-passion if you want to run multiple businesses or do other things like you're just increasing your skills and your expertise and I just think it creates more qualification with you and you understand like now that I have an e-commerce and I used to have an agency like I have an expertise so I can I can work with a lot of different industries and entrepreneurs and I think that makes it really fun as well just getting to work with many different clients and many different industries and not like the same type of industry all the time oh yeah it can get so like I mean the last thing you want is creating a business and then you hate it because you're like this is tedious and monotonous and it looks just like my corporate life which I hate exactly okay so to wrap this up what is the top piece of advice that you would give a multi-passionate business owner yeah and I was actually talking to a client about this today, I would say don't compare yourself to someone's journey who isn't multi-passionate. The reason I say this is because when you're multi-passionate, you're probably going to build be building the foundations for many different things and it might take you longer. So when you're dispersing your energy and maybe you're focusing on a coaching offer, but you're focusing also on creating retreats and working on your other business, your energy is going to be dispersed and you're just building those foundations and it might take you a little bit longer than someone who is just focusing on coaching and that one offer. So just giving yourself grace that everyone has a different journey and you may feel like things are moving a little bit slow or you're comparing yourself to someone else, but never compare yourself to someone who isn't multi-passionate and isn't doing what you're doing because doing a lot of different things at once is hard. It's hard Mm -hmm. at the end of the day and not a lot of people want to do it, but you have to understand that you want to see the consistent growth and be consistent in all areas of your multi-passionate to really see that success. And it may take longer than others who are just focusing on one thing. In my opinion, people might get mad hearing that, but I think it's so true because it's hard. So yeah. Right. That's so, that's smart. It's like, don't take advice from anybody who's not where you want to be. Essentially. You you, you always get these weird pieces of advice from people and you're like, I don't even like where you're at in life. Yeah. Only take advice from the people that you want to be like. And I think I just, I made a reel about this today about how people look at others in their industry as competition. And I think what you said is a great reminder of like, just learn from other people in your industry. 
like nobody has the same perspective on things that, I mean, essentially what we're doing is all regurgitated shit anyway, that we're just putting our unique spin and perspective on. And the way we communicate it is what sells. Yeah. It's easy. easy. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, you know, just, I mean, you have the Airbnb, you're doing multiple things. Like it's just, it's definitely takes a lot of work. And I think it's easy for people to fall trap of like, Oh, well, I'm not here yet. She had the successful month, this biggest launch ever. She's doing all these things and you know I'm up what is it packing orders maybe you're recording a podcast going to check your Airbnb like it's you know you can't do everything but you have to just be consistent and when you're multi-passionate understand that you're building foundations and without foundations things are going to crumble one thing I will say about doing multiple things is my ultimate like goal is to never sacrifice one over the other I want to equally work on everything So I don't want to like sacrifice my coaching income to work on my e-commerce and vice versa. I want to equally work on everything. And that's something to think about as well if you want to do multiple things. So with that, one last question. With what you just said, how would you tell somebody to delegate their time when they have so many things going on? Yeah. All starts with your schedule. I swear by a schedule. I do a B weeks. So my A weeks are more dedicated to one-on-one clients and coaching. And my B weeks are more dedicated to group and scrunchies. So I almost like work in alternating weeks and alternating days for both of my businesses. And I literally have days where I just do podcasts. Like I call them visibility days. I literally have days where I just do group calls, like group program days. I have a days where it's just hacking scratchy orders. Like I'm very well managed in my time. I would say a schedule is like number one, creating that set schedule for yourself and then hiring support. Obviously, like even if you could hire a local personal assistant, a local intern, something like that to really help you, I think is key because you can't really control or do everything as much as like we want to at the end of the day, we need support. And I always say, start small and delegate tasks as you hire. Yeah. I I know, especially for me, sometimes it could be so hard. Like I hired my sister as an assistant, but sometimes it could be so hard getting that point because you're like, I can do everything perfectly. I can do everything better, but then you spread yourself. So then there has to be like a release of, I have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just coming to truth with yourself. Like it's hard to grow. It's hard to scale basically if you don't have the support and you can do it all yourself for a while, but you don't want to get burnt out. And then you don't want to work anymore. And it's just kind of is a downfall at the end of the day. Yeah. That's a great reminder. If you don't schedule, you get burnt out. So use your time wisely. Uh, Well, thank you so much for joining me in this. I was thinking about doing a, like a expert guest speaker every month who, you know, created a presentation. But I was like, I think personally that people get more value hearing the banter back and forth and the ideas bounced off of each other. And so I think that this is just perfect. And I'm sure that there's going to be so many key takeaways and light bulbs that are going off for people who are listening to this. So Madison, where can people find you and how can they work with you? Yes. So you can find me on Instagram at madison.tender. My website is madisontenderllc.com slash work with me. I have a few courses on there. 
just reach out. I have some offers and then scrunchies is shop soulful scrunchies. That's the Instagram and the website. Ooh, and they're so cute. I don't wear scrunchies usually, but I would wear yours because they are so cute, especially when you have your hair right now. <laughs> this one's like our most popular. It's, it's a jumbo cheetah, but we have claw clips too. I know you like, I feel like you like claw clips. I do. Yeah. I was wearing one yesterday under here, <laughs> you know, and like my bun that just looks like holding it up, but it's not. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Hey, thank you so much for being here and hanging out with us in the lounge today. Don't forget to share some love in the reviews, connect with us on social media and subscribe so you never miss a beat. And can you do me one last favor? Send me a DM on Instagram so I can say, hey, I would love to get to know you more. Until next Tuesday, we'll see you then.